0: I will be reading Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man,
1: As we continue thinking about being right with God, we're going to talk this evening about Romans chapter two and especially focus on verses one through 11 together. So if you already have your Bible open there, that's great. If not, go ahead and open your Bible, Romans chapter two. We're gonna be looking at verses one through 11. I go through fits and starts in my life where I try to eat healthy and then I fall off the wagon. And then after a few months, I get back on the wagon and I'm trying to eat healthy again. But I've noticed a trend in my life. When I'm eating healthy and when I'm feeling good and when I'm losing weight, I become really judgmental. I start to look at other people and I look at what they're eating and I think, how could you eat that? And in my mind, I think, I sure am glad I'm eating better than that person. I just start to think that way. It's almost a natural reflex. And those of you who've tried to eat healthy, you know I'm telling the truth. This is something we do as human beings it's one thing to be zealous about doing evil. And when you read Romans chapter one, that's what happens in Romans one, the people that just abandon God and they suppress the knowledge of God and the truth about God in their minds and their hearts. And they just run enthusiastically to evil things. We're going to live it up. We're going to live in such a way that, that, uh, you know, we're going to do what feels good to us. And the result of that is detailed in the passage we looked at last Sunday night, Romans chapter one, verses 18 through 32. But there are other people who are enthusiastic about doing good. And that's what we're gonna talk about tonight. A lot of people mean well, and it's kind of like trying to get your diet under control, trying to eat healthy. It's a good thing Most people would agree that's a good thing for someone to eat a healthy diet, but there is a risk with doing that which is good. And the risk is that you become a fault finder or the Bible terms it this way, you become self-righteous. Self-righteousness, it is perhaps one of the easiest sins to see in somebody else. In our language, we sometimes say you're holier than thou. You're acting like you're superior to me. You're acting like you're better than me. It's so easy to see in other people and it's really difficult to see in ourselves. If we're honest with ourselves, it's really tough to see self-righteousness. Jesus taught a parable about self-righteousness in Luke 18, verses nine through 14. He said, there were two men who went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the Pharisee prayed thus with himself, God, I'm thankful that I'm not like other men. I eat a healthy diet. I'm taking care of my body. I'm doing good things with my life. I'm not like this tax collector down here, to paraphrase. And on the other hand, Jesus said there was a tax collector and he would not so much as lift his eyes to heaven, but instead he smote his chest and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus' point was only one of those two men was right with God. It was not the Pharisee who was self-righteous. When you look at Romans two verses one through 11, you've got a passage that deals with self-righteousness, with thinking about others and judging them. Because we want to do what's good. We want to do what's right. We want to serve the Lord. We want to be enthusiastic about praising him. And all those are good things. But when you start to look at others and you start to pass judgment on their lives and you start to shake your head and click your tongue and say, I'm glad I'm not like them, there's a heart problem. There's, there's, there's something wrong spiritually with us. Look at Romans 2, verse 1. Three times in one verse, he talks about you who judge, you who pass judgment on others. You become the judge. You practice the same things. He's talking about people who are passing judgment on those who are living wicked lives. And the point of this passage, brothers and sisters and friends, is to help every single one of us to understand this principle. Are you listening? Even when you're enthusiastic about doing good, you are still a sinner in need of God's redemption. You are still, in God's eyes, without the cross, lost. Even when you're enthusiastic about doing good, we still need Jesus, we still need the cross, we still need salvation. And the point of Romans 2, verses 1 through 11, is to convince self-righteous people that they need the gospel too. That's what this passage is all about. You and I need to listen to what's being argued here, especially if you really want good things to be done. You really want in your life for good things to happen. Listen to the argument that's being made. And here's what Paul does. He gives us in verses one through 11, four arguments What is so evil, what is so wrong about self-righteousness, about feeling superior to others, about judging and comparing ourselves with other people and saying, I sure am glad I do all the right things and I'm not like these people over here. What's so evil about that? Four answers to that question. Number one, when we are self-righteous, brothers and sisters and friends, it makes us feel superior when we're not. It makes us feel superior to others when we're not. Look at Romans 2 beginning in verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, talking to self-righteous people who are judging others. He tells them, whoever you are who judge, for in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. The argument is this. You're condemning people who are living wicked, immoral lives. If you look back at Romans chapter one, verses 29 through 31, people who are, in verse 29 of Romans one, unrighteous, sexually immoral, wicked, covetous, malicious, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness, whisperers. You look at people who are doing these things and you say, I just can't believe anybody would ever get to that level in their lives. Paul just points out and says, Who among you is without sin? You do the very same things you condemn in others. If you're driving down the road in traffic, you're on the interstate, and there's somebody, you know the people. They're going 100 miles an hour, literally, weaving in and out of traffic, and you just kind of shake your head. and you, I can't believe people would drive so recklessly. Look down at your speedometer. How fast are you going, and what's the speed limit? That's Paul's point. You're condemning somebody else for breaking the law, for being reckless. What are you doing in your car, in your vehicle when you pass judgment? You're practicing the very same things. And his point is, when you do these things, this makes you lost. This makes you lose your soul because you are sinning against the God of heaven. And then as you continue in verses two and three, notice the argument. It makes us feel superior when we're not. He says in verse two of Romans chapter two, But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things, that doing the same, that you're going to escape the judgment of God? It's a question for every one of us to contemplate. When we stand before God on the day of judgment, God is not going to grade us on a bell curve. He's not going to look at our lives and say, well, your life was pretty good compared to so-and-so over there. Therefore, you can be righteous. But so-and-so over here that's lived his life very immorally, they're going to be unrighteous. God does not grade us that way. He does not look at our lives that way. God is asking one simple question of us. Did you keep my word? Did you keep my law? In the context of the book of Romans, Either I have kept God's word perfectly, or I am lost, I am a sinner, I am guilty, I am unrighteous. It's one of those two, there is no third option. And so one of the problems with self-righteousness is that it makes us feel superior to others, even though we're not. It's not true, we're not. One of the things the gospel does for us, brothers and sisters and friends, it allows us to look at our lives realistically. The Apostle Paul could say in 1 Timothy chapter 1, I am the chief of sinners. You say, how can you say that, Paul? I thought you were washed by the blood of the Lamb. He was, but Paul still keeps this dual reality in mind. Yes, I've been justified by the cross. I've been justified by Jesus. I've been justified by putting my faith in Him. Yes, that's true. And in that sense, I'm righteous before God. But I'm still, when I look at my life and my past and what I would be without the cross, I'm the chief of sinners. The gospel helps us to be humble and it helps us to remember that the only difference between me and somebody who's lost is the fact that I've trusted Jesus and I'm counting on him to save me from my sin. That's the difference. It'll help us in our evangelism when we think about what it means to be self-righteous and what it means to be humble before God. But secondly, what's so wrong with self-righteousness? As you continue in this passage, it takes God's blessings for granted. Verse 4, do you despise, some translations have, do you presume on the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The accusation is you are presuming on the good things of God. Let me give you an analogy, an illustration. Suppose you invite me over for dinner and you put in front of me something that you've worked really hard to prepare And instead of being grateful for what you put in front of me, I look at it and I say, I'm going to see if there's something else in the kitchen. And I get up and go into your kitchen and start to rummage through your refrigerator and rummage through your pantry, looking for something that pleases me. That would be me presuming on despising the riches of your goodness for me to be so arrogant that I go into your kitchen and say, I'm gonna find something for myself because I don't like what you have provided. I don't like what you have prepared. The apostle is writing and telling us that when we're self-righteous, when we feel like, you know what? I've got my act all together. I don't need Jesus anymore. And I'm, I'm gonna despise and look down on other people who are living wicked lives. When I start to act that way in my heart and in my life, I am presuming on three things. Look at the passage in verse four. I am presuming first of all upon the kindness of God. God is being kind and generous to me and I'm not thinking about that and I'm certainly not thankful for it. God's being kind to me because if we're really honest with ourselves, there are a lot of things that every single one of us ought to think about and work on in terms of sin and struggles with habits in our lives. Secondly, I'm presuming on the forbearance of God. The word forbearance there has to do with a dam that is holding back a massive quantity of water. And the idea in the passage in in Romans 2 verse 4 is that God is forbearing. He's got wrath stored up and, and He's ready to release it but He's being kind to me. He's being patient with me. And instead of being grateful for that, instead of being humbled by that, I'm going around pointing my finger at everybody else what's wrong with them? And third, I'm presuming on, as you look at the passage, the patience of God. This word has to do with bearing up under provocation. It's kind of like two young people in the back seat of a van and they start poking at each other and provoking one another. And the idea is that some of the things I'm doing with my life, the choices I'm making, the sins I'm committing, they are provoking God. And God is being patient with those things because He knows and He loves and He wants for me to repent and to come back to Him. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should turn to Him and repent. 2 Peter 3 verse 9, but when I become self-righteous, when I become full of myself and start to think that I am better than others... When that becomes my attitude, I'm taking God's blessings for granted. And notice at the end of Romans two, verse four, it's fascinating to me. It says the goodness of God should lead us to repentance. The fact that God is patient and he is kind and he blesses us, instead of making us feel like we're something special, it ought to make us feel humbled and make us ask the question, who am I that you would be so good to me, O God? It takes God's blessings for granted when we are unrighteous, when we are self-righteous. Third, this evening, as you think about the question, what's so evil about self-righteousness? The passage answers the question emphatically. It says, third of all, it blinds us to our predicament. God says, when you're self-righteous, when you're looking down on others and condemning them, and again, there is nothing inherently wrong with pointing out sin. There's nothing, and in fact, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to examine fruit and examine lives and ask the question, is this right? Is this wrong? We're supposed to ask those questions as Christians. What we're talking about is having the attitude of the Pharisee, God, I'm thankful I'm not like other men. I'm thankful that I'm not doing what that guy's doing. That's self-righteousness, that attitude. It blinds us to our own predicament. Look at Romans two, verse five. This ought to cause everybody to tremble. In accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. You are in a predicament and you're not even paying attention. The day of God's judgment is coming and notice that there is a danger that Paul writes about. He says, when you start to compare yourself to others and you start to act like you're better than others, you start storing up wrath for yourself. You're not dealing with these sins in a healthy, fruitful way. Rather, what you're doing is you're just acting like your sin doesn't matter. Your sin's no big deal, if you even acknowledge it at all. Secondly, he says, the reason why this happens is because of the hardness of your heart. So the Bible teaches that we can harden our hearts and we can become callous to sin in a couple of different ways. We can enthusiastically pursue evil and just violate our consciences over and over and over and over again. And when you do that, eventually, it doesn't bother you anymore. You can do sinful things over and over and over again and and wicked things and self-serving, selfish things. And it just causes you to become calloused and seared in your conscience. 1 Timothy 4 verse 2. But you can also become hard and calloused in your heart by being self-righteous, by being a Pharisee, by being judgmental constantly and a fault finder in other people's lives. Let me just say this. If we develop a habit of nitpicking and fault finding and gossiping about what we find wrong in other people's lives, I guarantee you we have a problem with self-righteousness. If that's the way we're treating other people, if you're constantly finding things that are wrong and talking about those, if you're constantly looking for things that you could find fault with, you have a problem with this sin and it will harden your heart and cause you to be blind to your own predicament. You are gonna stand by yourself in front of God. He's gonna judge you based on your sins, not how you compare to the sins of others. There's a difference. The cause for you being blind is the condition of your heart, he says. And then as you look at Romans two, verse five, again, the passage says that there is a time, the day of wrath is coming. Over and over the Bible talks about a day, the day, the big day. God is patient, God is forbearing, God is waiting for people to repent and to turn to him, but there is a day when his patience will be exhausted. It is the day of God's wrath, first Timothy chapter one, or 1 Thessalonians chapter one, verse 10. Ephesians 2, verse 3, again, speaks about how God's righteous judgment is going to take place on that day. His wrath will be poured out on all sin. Over and over, the Bible reminds us of this. It's going to come as a thief in the night, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 and 2. This day of wrath in which God is going to reveal how he feels about everything. And you're storing up for yourself wrath in that day. When you live a self-righteous, judgmental kind of life few weeks ago, I went to Austin and taught some preacher students for a week about a preacher's life and work. And one of the things I tried to emphasize in that particular class is this. We've got some younger guys who are thinking about preaching, wanting to preach maybe one day. But this goes for all of us. I have found this through experience. Preachers of the gospel need to preach the gospel to their own hearts before they stand in front of God's people. And I'll tell you Why? Because if you have not internalized the gospel in your life, if you have not realized that I am lost without the cross, and I need Jesus to save me, and I am not all by myself living this perfect moral life, if we've not internalized that, we are gonna stand in front of people, and we are gonna preach, and we are gonna come across to people as if we are calloused and insensitive, and we are gonna create all kinds of standards and rules like the Pharisees did, that are higher and more difficult to bear than what God's word gives. We're going to be very insensitive to others in our preaching. If we don't preach the gospel to ourselves, we're gonna be blind and calloused. And every once in a while, you'll hear somebody preach that way. It's as if there's nothing wrong with this guy's life, nothing going on in his life that he needs to change. That's the attitude that comes across. It's wrong. God says, who are you, O man, you who judge others? Think about how the gospel applies to your life. Otherwise, you're blind to your predicament. What's so wrong with self-righteousness? What's evil about it? Number four this evening, as you look at verses six through 11, the last part of this passage, there is a picture of the day of judgment. Romans chapter two, verses six through 11. Self-righteousness disregards the nature of that day. The nature of God's judgment Just look at verse 6 through 11. It's a picture of Judgment Day. It says, verse 6, God will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance and doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, verse 8, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. Tribulation and anguish, verse 9, on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. I want you to notice some characteristics of the day of judgment. It will be, according to this passage, impartial. When God judges us, He does not play favorites, He looks at us and asks the question, Are you righteous or not? And unless you are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ by what he did at the cross, by humbly and faithfully accepting what he has done for you, you will stand before God and you will be unrighteous. God's judgment is impartial. Not only is it impartial, but it is righteous judgment. God will make no mistakes. He will miss no detail. He will look at our lives. He will look at our thoughts. He knows the history of everything we've ever said, thought, or done and he will be perfectly righteous in his judgment. And that's a frightening thing. That's why I need the gospel. That's why I need Jesus Christ to save me because I don't even remember all the stuff I've done. I need God to save me. His judgment will be righteous. It will be inescapable. It is an appointment that every single one of us will keep. You have no choice in this matter. By being in this world, you are going to face your maker in judgment one day and it is universal. Everyone, both the Jew and the Gentile will be present before God on that day. Fault finding, self-righteousness. God says you can lose your soul just as easily, even though you are enthusiastic about doing what's right, about doing good, you can still lose your soul because of the way that you have your attitude about yourself and about others. Self-righteousness is sinful and will cause us to be lost and blinded. Before you start to find fault with others, before you start to criticize and point out the speck in your brother's eye, the Bible commands us to consider ourselves, to examine ourselves. The Bible challenges us and commands us to come to Christ and receive Forgiveness and righteousness from him because of what he did at the cross. Receive what Jesus has offered, and then, then you'll be in a position to offer hope and judgment to, to your brother. Get the log out of your own eye first, then go find the speck in your brother's eye. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5. When we put away self righteousness and we think about our own condition before God without the cross, It'll help us to approach others in a healthier way. As we come to other people, we'll be more charitable, we'll be more gracious, we'll be more kind, we'll be more patient and forbearing, and we'll also, and this is important, we will be more aware of God's heart and how God views sinners and how God loves them. We need that in our evangelistic endeavors, but we need that in our lives in general. Nobody wants to be parented by a Pharisee. Nobody wants to listen to a Pharisee preach over and over, day after day, week after week. People need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel forbids us to have a critical, fault-finding spirit. Thanks for your kind attention to this particular lesson this evening. If we can help you to obey the gospel tonight, believe in Jesus Christ confess his name, repent of your sin, and be baptized, be immersed in water for the remission of your sin. If we can help you to obey the gospel this evening, or if you need to respond and ask for prayers, whatever your need is, won't you come forward while together we stand and while we sing.